This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast comes out every single day after we do The Shift. And on today's podcast, Guy Hewitt, former ambassador from Barbados, explains why he supports his country leaving the Commonwealth. He brings his personal experiences and insights from within his experience being an ambassador to England, among the stories of the royal family and everything that's been going on. We asked the shift heads what seems to be more expensive nowadays. Fuel, homes, cars, Popeye cigarettes also came up on the list. It's all here on the podcast. Plus, are you okay with guac-colored makeup, as in guacamole? Or how about calling 911 because you're locked out of your Xbox? All of these stories and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. Well, we certainly heard the news all across the world. It is echoed especially in Canada, being a member of the Commonwealth, the interview with Meghan Markle, uh, the interview that um, I think has sort of dropped a bomb in the lap of the of the royal family, of the institution that is the monarch, and certainly a lot of different places evaluating uh, where do I land on this? What do I think? And I think the biggest question that's been raised is, do I even really know how all this works? Well, maybe we don't. And maybe that's something we need to look into. There is a gentleman that I've met that uh, I do have a bit of a personal agenda with. I have to, I have to confess when I saw his name. And uh, he has been involved in his home country and the Commonwealth in conversation. And his last name is Hewitt. His name is Guy Hewitt. He joins us now. Now, Guy, you're from Barbados. I'm from Barbados. I was born in London, but I grew up in Barbados and I identified as a Bajan. Wow. And then, so where are you living now for everyone else to... I am based in Florida, yeah, which is close to Barbados, but not quite there. Is that one reason why you're there? Because it is close to go home? Um, yes, it's tropical. I was up to just about two and a half years in ago, I was based in London. Um, but couldn't handle the weather. I wanted to be somewhere warmer and somewhere closer to home. And I've been able to locate myself here in Florida for for um, professional, family, and other reasons. So it all just sort of comes together in a yeah. in a happy home. Yeah, correct. So Barbados has been going through a lot of celebration and a lot of change. Um, help us understand some of the anniversaries for Barbados what Barbados is going through and why questioning participation in the Commonwealth has come up. Because I think that you can lend, Canadians might be surprised at how there's some sort of synchronicity, I think, between the two countries, even though they're um, diff so different in size alone. So, Well, and, and just to give you a bit of, I guess, Overlap between Canada and Barbados. Um, one of your, I think, revered uh, prime ministers, Pierre Trudeau, he spent his honeymoon in Barbados. His, he was a great friend of our first prime minister. And, and so as a consequence, there have been strong and bilateral relationships between Canada and Barbados. But as you are alluding to as well, we share in common the fact that her Majesty the Queen is the head of state for Barbados, for Canada, for the UK, and about 16 other countries around the world. Um, recently, last year, 
the government of Barbados announced that they, not that they're leaving the Commonwealth, but they are, they are going to leave the monarchy, that the Queen would no longer be the head of state of Barbados. We would be replacing her with a native, a Barbadian head of state, which would mean that we become truly sovereign to the extent that our entire um, machinery of decision-making, the legislative, executive, and judicial branches would all be homegrown. And that's um, a decision that was taken coming, flowing on from reaching our 50th anniversary of independence and really asking ourselves, do we need to have a foreigner effectively, somebody from another country, somebody with another identity, really, as our head of state. Is the Queen on the Barbadian money? Not anymore. She used to be on our older currencies, but now that is replaced by many of our Indigenous, our national leaders. So she used to be on our currencies, but there is, um, she is still the queen of Barbados. So she does have that standing um, and that reverence in the country. But as I say, we're just kind of moving away. So it seems to be rather just uh, keeping the history of the symbolism, that part of it. But when it comes to the legislative mechanism of government and operation, uh, that part is changing. Do I understand that right? Correct, correct. And that has um, significant implications because, for instance, whenever, and I know this because of, of my, my prior role as an ambassador, whenever somebody, Canada or Barbados, sends an ambassador abroad, those letters actually have to be signed by the Queen. And, and it, 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 in a sense, becomes convoluted because you wonder, well, if... Canada is appointing um, someone to Barbados. Why do letters have to come from Buckingham Palace? Well, that's because, in a sense, we've got Her Majesty as our head of state. And, and it's trying to simplify some of those arrangements, but also being able to say, I think, that we are mature enough to, be, to have all of our leadership homegrown and take our directions locally. It's kind of crazy to think um, that it's only been 50 years, hey? I mean, it seems so long ago, but at the same time, it's only 50 years. I'm 46 this year. So for me, I mean, really, that's, I'd like to think that's not very old, but that's the whole country. Well, you know, for some people say life begins at 50 and, and they say that after you well, pass 40. That's very kind. Um, <laughs> so, so in a sense, it's where I think Barbados is starting to feel we need to be, now that we are in a, a, the seniors category, to revitalize ourselves and look critically at saying, you know, do what is the benefit? What is the benefit of having the Queen as head of state? Yes, it was a significant historic relationship, but also it's a relationship that was fraught with some challenges because the colonial history was not a positive history in many cases for the majority of people, for people who were not um, Anglo-Saxon, white European extraction, it was a tough history. So when you talk to people in Africa or in Asia, um, 
Native Americans, indigenous people in North America. That history was an oppressive one. And I think there is a way in which Barbados now, as we we have come out of the, the kind of Black Lives Matters introspection, we realize that history is not just a, a set of facts, but it does have, the past does have an impact on the present and informs the future. And, and we are trying to define for ourselves who and what we are. And I think the, the, the symbolism of moving away from this, in a sense, historic reliance on someone abroad in another country to preside over us as head of state, we feel is no longer necessary. Well, and it still respects the past, which is kind of the cool part. It's one of the pieces of all of this whole uh, moving the needle, if you will, on um, people from the past that may have lived their lives in the past normally. As we look backwards on some of those people and some of the things they did today, that would not be okay. And so it's a fine line between, well, they had a massive impact back then, which does impact us today. So do we flush them out of our history? Well, I'm not sure we can do that, right? Like we can't, but at the same time, respecting the fact that it was there in an appropriate manner. But exactly. The thing about it is that, as I said, that we, we shouldn't try to revise our history and we can't correct the past, but it's a question of what do we do in the present. And coming to your point, Barbados will remain as part of the Commonwealth, which is an association of 54 countries, which includes places like Canada and Australia and New Zealand and Barbados and Jamaica and Nigeria and South Africa and India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka and the United Kingdom, we will stay within the Commonwealth. So that family of nations that emerge from a, a, a shared history with the British keeps us together. And so we, we, we are not saying we are abandoning um, those historic ties. What we are simply doing in Barbados is trying to say, well, I think we are big enough to walk on our own. It's kind of like, you know, when we, we tell our parents, you know, we are moving out, it's, it's that symbolism that we are just saying we can take the rest of the steps in for our destiny and determine them largely on our own. I think there's an awful lot that can be heard from that as Canadians. It sounds incredibly grounded, uh, thought out. Uh, and uh, and true. I have a couple other questions that uh, that do come to mind. Uh, first of all, I, you've met the Queen. She's pretty cool. I she's very cool. I have tremendous respect for her and regard for her. She has been, if we think about it, one of the constants and a defining figure of the 20th century. And I admire the way she has really done her best. Has tried to keep not only the United Kingdom together, but the Commonwealth together. Um, it's been a tough job. And I think what has happened recently, unfortunately for her, is the way in which subsequent generations and those who've come after her have not been able to hold to senses of tradition or duty in the way that she has. And I think that is what you're seeing in some of the fallout from the royal family that is reverberating, not just of over the last few days, but over the, I would say the last couple of decades around, around the world. 
One of the pieces of the puzzle um, that was in the interview was the Meghan Markle, Prince Harry assertion that there was concerns about the color of the child. Mm-hmm. Now, um, looking at this from a clear lens, uh, she also told a story about sitting in a car with the queen and the queen asking her to sort of, I'm paraphrasing, snuggle up and put a blanket over your lap and you know, come here, dear, let's stay warm together. And you hear these loving stories, but then you hear this other story that comes from somebody else inside the family, the the assertion or the allegation that there was concern about that, the optics, if you will, I'll just call it, call it what it is. My thought in all this is because of this incredibly diverse Commonwealth and people from so many different places, that that would ripple outside of England much more than it ever would... Um, there because of the fact that it is so diverse. Now it is pretty diverse in England for that matter. But in Canada, for example, again, that needle has moved again. Is there is there any I don't even know what I'm asking. How does that land with you, I suppose, is what I'm asking. It, it is immensely problematic. Um and and one of the challenges is that their response to it. And and, and as you are pointing to, there have been to put it mildly, a number of faux pas in the past of people saying, making unacceptable and um, unacceptable statements. And, and I think the, the Buckingham Palace um, and those around um, um, the Queen are trying to contain this. And, and they've since suggested that um, you know this allegation will be treated as a uh, a family matter. Now, in a sense, if that was the family down the street, that's okay. But the fact that this is the family that is the head of state of 16 countries, including Barbados and Canada, and that their descendants will will assume the throne and could be the head of state of Canada and the United Kingdom and elsewhere, it's not a private matter. And, and the truth is, racism is so abhorrent. It needs to be dealt with forcefully, um, immediately. And you should be able to, we should have been given the reassurance that if it did exist, it would be addressed. And whatever assurances the people that it would never happen again. Because as you were suggesting, the Commonwealth um, made up of billions of people, the majority of whom are people of color. So whenever you come across allegations of racism, you've got to hit it like any other discrimination. You've got to deal with it head on to communicate absolute intolerance for it and, and try to root it out as much as possible, or if not, it gives, it can give an impression that there is some um, pungent residue of a colonial past that is still there in the present. And I think this is the the query that is coming out from a lot of people. Is it that this, this royal family, this first family of the United Kingdom, in a sense, is still, affected by some of the thinking and behaviors that obtained in the past, racism, Mm -hmm. oppression, discrimination. That's the challenge. 
I absolutely agree. I don't think it's a private matter at all. Um, I, that was my most disappointing part about that statement. Would this is a private matter be dealt with privately? I, d- I don't think it is. I don't think you get to have that job and the privilege that comes with that job and that world if uh, without it being a private matter. Um, now, to that being said, I guess there is a piece of me that sort of hopes that it's just the trap of bias, um, lazy language, um, someone else's bias that's there because bias becomes workable. Bias becomes experiential. Bias becomes conversation of going to somebody and say, Hey, can you hold me accountable? If I say something just out of habit that impacts you to someone you care about, if you can say, Hey, look, I don't, I love you. I don't want to hurt you. I at all. I just acknowledge the fact that there are a bunch of old habits here of ways I was taught things that could come through. And will you please hold me accountable to if I'm lazy with my language or, or if a perspective has not been evaluated that to me, I just hope that that's what's going on inside the family. And it's not truly the separation, uh, hatred and all, all those other things that are there. Uh, God, that would be terrible. Um, but here we are up for up for the, uh, the, the family to clean it up. Hopefully they will. It'll be interesting to see in time where that lands with other groups and, and countries inside the Commonwealth. I'm interested to see how it lands inside Canada. If you had asked me a couple of months ago if I thought that the, the monarchy belonged, I would say yes. I would, became doubtful. And at this point, I'm a big fan of it all. I really am. I, I, I feel really deeply connected to it. But at the same time, uh, to hear your story today and evaluate Canada and say, okay, well, can we keep the symbolism of it? with not necessarily the same time. And I loved your metaphor of a child moving out of the parents' house. We got this. It's time for us to grow up. And it's possible Canada doesn't have an identity away from England. And I think that that's, a, that's an interesting conversation for Canadians to have that you've brought up. Barbados' identity uh, as Caribbean country is so amazing. I mean, we can talk about rum all day. Um But I mean, everything from dance to music to rum to just some of the basic cultural things that we see every day are so fantastic. I'm not sure Canada has created its own identity away from England. Um, Do you see that as an exciting piece of Barbados future? Well, I would say that, well, for us in Barbados, um, we have right now in terms of bilateral relations, I think Barbadians probably identify more with Canada now than they do with Britain for the simple reason that especially in the last 30, 40 years, more people have gone to Canada to study than to Britain. Um, part of it, proximity, um, ec- economics and things. So that, that we, we have an appreciation for things Canadian. I mean, we enjoyed, well, we didn't enjoy the fact that you know, Canada was, was able to beat up on us and even so quick at, at some point in time. But, <laughs> but it, it's, that's part of the spirit of the Commonwealth. But we, we, we do get a lot from Canada. The way that Canada has tried to be, has always come across as a, a liberal-minded, progressive society, open and, and, and able to be almost like a referee for the rest of the world when people might be hiding in one direction, going too far left or too far right. Canada has always seemed to have been like the measured, the the wise grown up in the room that has been able to bring balance and perspective. 
So, so from a, an outsider looking in, I'd say there is a lot that Canada has and, and can hold on to and leverage. Already it does in the world, but in terms of its own identity, I agree with you that um, it's the Anglo-Saxon identity, the identity with Britain would be, has been the dominant force. And for Barbados, it has been that dominant force for, for a long time. And if you look at some of the things that we enjoy, as you say, like, like rum, that would have come out of that historic relationship with sugar in the Caribbean and, and, and slavery. But we've been able to make it our own. I think one of the things with, and, and having lived in, in the UK, and, and I have to, to also, as I, I mentioned, I'm born in London. My father's from Barbados. My mother's from India. So I was really like a child of the Commonwealth, people coming from different parts of the Commonwealth, going to what was considered the mother country, to the UK, to study and advance themselves. And, and so the country of my birth, I, I have still an affinity with, but part of the challenge is trying to, to move through the 21st century with this kind of anachronistic, this this old aristocratic notion of some people being royal and the rest are commoners. And I find that notion or that allusion to, or a title affixed to someone as a commoner seems out of sync in the 21st century for countries that are meritocracies or egalitarian that says everybody is equal we say, yes, we are all equal, but kind of with an Aurelian notion, but some are more equal than others. And so if you are born in, if you are part of the accident of birth that says you are born as a royal, regardless of what you do, you almost seem to be accepted um, as one of the firm. Um, and it's in a sense, again, um, I think, problematic that when Hillary and Megan sought to say, we want to take a step back, we want to, to get a space for ourselves because of whatever seems to be going on, it's almost like the firm closed ranks and said, you can't be in anymore. We are going to almost push you right out. And so there are ways in which um, I think the monarchy the way in which it operates, the way in which it is, it is a, a residue of elitism, the way in which it is still hinged or carries with it some colonial baggage of racism and oppression and discrimination needs to come be, be modernized and, and be made fit for purpose for the 21st century. And I'll say, because Harry came to Barbados for our 50th anniversary, that Great hope really came, um, came out. There was a lot of hope for the, the royal family when, when Harry got married to Meghan for the simple reason she was seen to reflect the majority of the citizens of the Commonwealth, a person of color. And it's unfortunate, and I would say um, has not worked to the advantage of the Queen or the, or the royal family, that they ended up 
because she ended up leaving or feeling that she was pushed away because she was, in a sense, and Harry, a gateway to the majority of the Commonwealth and her son or their children would have been, in a sense, looking more like the majority of members of the Commonwealth than what exists amongst a very much Anglo-Saxon white British monarch. Uh, very well said. Thank you very much. Um, it's true. Uh, th- uh, there was another interview where I'd heard, and I wish I could credit the person um, and recall it, but they did say, um, Megan, this is a screw up. Megan Markle was the biggest gift to the royal family that they have been given in generations. And uh, I wish that, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they fix it. I guess. Uh, I hope right. so. I hope so. As I said, I I have a lot of personal admiration for the Queen. And I do wish her well, and I hope that they're able to get through this. And in the interest of the Commonwealth, I would like to see their a greater ability for them to be able to respond to issues of diversity and embrace issues of inclusion in a much more progressive manner. Uh, Guy Hewitt is uh, from England and Barbados and lives in Hollywood, Florida, and was an ambassador and this long list of uh, religion and social development, specialism and all of this stuff. And uh, an incredibly faithful man, too. So thank you uh, very much for sharing time. Plus, he's a Hewitt. That makes him awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? That's it. I, I, I have a new friend here uh, today, that's for yeah. sure. Thank you for sharing time, and I, I hope we can bring you back and, and talk about I, one of the I, many I topics. Yeah, anytime. I'll be there. It's the Shift Podcast. What is too expensive? So expensive that you won't buy it anymore. Or at least you hesitate, or you cringe when you do. Uh, Mark says cable. I disagree, Mark. I think cable's cheaper now, and all of the streaming services are going up in price. Like Netflix is up in price and all these things. I think we pay less for cable today and more for streaming services, especially when you combine them. That's for sure. Also, steak. Steak came up a couple of times. John from Smoky Lake, Alberta, also said beef steaks too expensive. The price of beef is way high right now. Let's go to Burton in Winnipeg, 877-399-9898. What's up, Bert? Hey, Shane. How you guys doing tonight? Good, brother. What's too expensive for you? Well, I got two things that are kind of on the back of my mind that kind of hit the pocketbook in my lifetime and still is today. And the first thing is fuel for your, your automobile. And the second mm-hmm. thing is a house. Houses There's probably in some millions places. of things all around us every day that we see. Yeah. That's uh, expensive. More expensive yeah. than it should be. Well, but prices I go think, up. We know uh, that. In the back of my mind, uh, <laughs> those two items uh, for me, I think, is. You know uh, what's mind blowing for me? I, I agree with you. I think uh, I remember when there would be gas wars at 29.9. That was those yeah. were great days. Yeah, there would be like um, four gas stations on each corner and one gas station, uh, like, say, a Husky or a Golf. Remember Golf? Mm-hmm. Golf, yeah. And then they would have like four guys. One would pump your tires, one would clean your windows, and so on and so forth. And when we were kids, remember those days? Those were the days. Those now, were the days. What about this? I was at the store. I saw a toaster, $140. Are you kidding? For a toaster. 
Wow. The labor in that toaster. Yeah. Materials, I guess, design, because it was fancy, right? Fancy design. You think it because of the certain metals that are getting harder and harder for us to get? No, I just think it's because they were, you know, had some stainless steel or at least some plastic wrapped on it that made it look like stainless steel. They thought they could sell it for more. And yeah. people clearly or buy it them. could be just the brand name, right? You're paying for the name. The name, yep. Yeah, and that's another thing. When it comes to commerce today, I mean, a lot of those companies aren't even designing them anymore. They no. just literally... Like you don't even know what you're getting. Is that a real, is that a real Nike? Or yeah, that, you know, you know what well, I mean? but sometimes like you can go, you go and you buy something and then you realize that uh, you go to a different store. It's exactly the same packaging with a different brand name on it. It's half the price. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, Brian just yeah. sent me a toaster. Uh, it's uh, here's a Wolf Gourmet toaster that was five hundred forty nine ninety nine on sale. One hundred and fifty bucks off for the low price of three hundred ninety nine ninety nine right now. Does that Oops. make people buy? A toaster because it's more expensive, so it's got to, if it's a $30 toaster, it's got to be junk. But if it's a $150 toaster, oh, it's got to be a real good toaster. Well, there is some psychology in marketing to that. Raise the price, oh, raise sure. the value. For sure. Right? So it's crazy, though. Thanks, Burton, for the call. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Shane. All right, but Burton in Winnipeg right there, 877-399-9898. Too expensive, really good cheese, gorgonzola, Danish blue. Um, getting to be 10 bucks for a finger-sized nibble. Yeah, when I buy even... Uh, Parmesan cheese, like by the by the the pie shaped brick to shred, great. Um, even that's like ten bucks for a sliver. Green onions, houses are expensive. Um, what else is there? Bologna used to be a poor man's steak, but isn't bologna expensive? I haven't noticed that one. Thanks, Marcel. Uh, rent prices. Yep. Um, and the irony from rent prices is, I mean, hey, it's the market demand, right? But some of those houses have been paid off for years. And, uh, you know, I mean, they're smart. They're capitalists. They're making money. They're doing the thing. They're following the market. That's the thing about real estate that's always got me, you know? No, who decides the value of a house? There's a cost per foot to build a house, right? Materials, design, all the pieces involved. But really, real estate agents talk to other real estate agents, and they base the price of your house off of comparables of other houses that have sold. So somebody sues, somebody sells for a high price because they raise someone lo- loves the house, then the other neighbors start to raise their price. So it's completely subjective, right? And it's just basically who decides the value of the house? Well, that real estate agent scams somebody into paying an extra 100 k for that house. Now you get to charge more. I mean, for such a core piece of our economy, I always find that bothersome. Uh, seafood, smokes, also comes up. Uh, for me, any Apple product, Apple products have become absurd. My very first uh, MacBook Air was about 1100 bucks, pretty good price for a laptop, served me for like five years. But my phone, the phone's like $1,800 now. Price of video games is getting ridiculous. That's kind of how we started this. What about you, Ryan? What's one thing that you're stuck on that's way too much? Uh, that's a good question. It's kind of changed. What I bought, what I spend money on has changed since I moved out. Uh, I would say the number one thing is uh, like animal products for food. So beef and seafood. Like, for example, I was looking at a pasta. I was like, oh, I'm going to go buy some salmon to put in this. It'll be yummy. And like this tiny little piece of salmon was almost 10 bucks and i went well i guess i'm eating vegetarian tonight like it's just it's actually kind of crazy and honestly 
I, from a purely financial standpoint, I would go vegetarian because of how much money I would save because of how expensive beef and fish are right now. But I love beef fish. So that, that's, mm. that's the one that's been frustrating since moving out. Hmm. Greg says one thing that's more expensive these days is divorce. Uh, Greg, I got to tell you, I, I found that there was more options. Uh, I got divorced eight, seven years ago, and there was way more options to get it done through mediators that made it not cheap, but way better than some of the nightmare stories uh, that I've heard out there, for sure. Um, I mean, TVs seem to be getting cheaper. Really, they've kind of stated about the same price and getting cheaper in some ways. So you do have, you know, that, but the video games are expensive. And yet uh, the game consoles, I mean, they're essentially a computer. And really, when you compare them to a computer and what you get out of them, probably not so bad when you think about that they can be a browser, they can stream your music, they can go online, they can watch Netflix. There, You can do all those things that a TV can do. Um, but still... Seems like a lot. 877-399-9898. Greg is in Peterborough. Yes, sir. Home of the Pete's. Hey, buddy. Peterborough Pete's. Go, Pete's. Go. What's, uh, what's, what's too expensive uh, for you there, Greggy? Is it new vehicles, sir? New vehicles. Yep. Just outrageous that people are driving around in a fully loaded pickup, and it's worth, well, they paid over 100 grand for it. It's not worth that, but. Yeah. Yeah, and so especially trucks, right? Like trucks, there, there's definitely a separation in trucks. There's like this $90,000 truck and then this thirty-five, forty thousand $40,000 truck. That's very true. Yeah, and you're lucky if it's got seats in it for thirty-five or forty grand. No, do you don't, did you just say you don't get seats? <laughs> you're lucky if you got them for thirty-five or forty grand. <laughs> oh, man. So and, what do you drive, like Greg? I, pardon me? And what do you drive? I'm driving a, a new pickup right now. It's a work truck. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say someone else paid for it, so that's smart. Yeah, you got you. it. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, sir. Greg, you betcha, bud. Greg in Peterborough. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to Dallas in Winnipeg and say hi to Dallas quickly here. Dallas, what's too expensive for you right now? How's it going, bud? Good. You got to turn that radio down for me in the background, know, though, okay? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm on an eight-second eight delay here. Uh, pr- prices, inflation. I tell you, I thought I woke up and I was in a new destination there. I was at... Uh, 7-Eleven with my granddaughter, and uh, just kind of gandering through the candy, and I seen a friendly pack of Popeye cigarettes look at me, and I think it was like 50 cents, and I was just kind of shaking my head, thinking, my gosh, you know, John Players, nowadays, you got to kind of save up for a rainy day to even buy a pack of cigarettes. It's a good thing for us all, but hey, you know, that's amazing. It's true. I was going to say the, the pineapple depressed, you know, I was kind of like a road pineapple. But hey, <laughs> and I was going to say one more thing, Shane, okay? One more thing. One more. That's a lot of bread for a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right, Dallas in Winnipeg, 877-399-9898. That is a lot of bread for a toaster. My man. It's the Shift Podcast. It's time for the Moondog, Maddie. How are we doing? Um, I parked the moon dial in a loading zone uh, last night, oh, and it get got towed. Yeah, it got towed. So, oh. especially in Vancouver, man, you're never going to get it back. It's going to take a long time. It was a real like crazy morning, and I couldn't uh, couldn't drive the moon dial home. But yeah, I got towed. Can't believe you do that. Yeah. All right, Linda. Let's get into. Are you okay? Are you okay with pineapple, even though it has no pine or apple? 
Oh, let it go. Um, <laughs> Do you know why really it's called a pineapple? Oh, okay. Actually, I don't know. So tell me. I'm kind of curious. Well, uh, the lore has it that it's called a pineapple because it looks like a pine cone. And when Western uh, us Western folks came out to the east, that's what the Western folks called it. Now, of course, pineapple was uh, in East Asia and stuff like that, all the Polynesia and all the southern places, it was already there. But when the Western folks came along, they said, that looks like a pine cone. And that's where the pine comes from. Now, you know. Interesting. Okay, that's neat. Cool. Mm-hmm. Giant pine cone. Are you okay? Are you okay? Say the stuff, I Shane. I was just enjoying it. Sorry. Um, are you okay with makeup? <laughs> oh God. Um. Yeah. I mean, like historically, like I, I feel like if you're a fan of Monty Python or Kids in the Hall or even Alice Cooper, even Alice Cooper, Kiss, RuPaul's Drag Race, um, yeah, you know, all of those wide, varying cultural touchstones. I think you're all right with makeup. Mm. Yeah, you pretty much just hit the nail on the head for me. Uh, and I wore guyliner to a club once, and like I don't know, it just worked for me. Like the people were going for it. Nice. I felt great. It was one of those nights where it's like, sorry, I'm taken. And uh, Laura was loving it. Love the guyliner. So uh, yeah, I'm cool with makeup, okay. and I love to see what people can do with makeup. You know, that, like art wise. Sometimes yes. people go overboard, and it, it yeah, you got to be smart with it. But it's it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it can either look like uh, a painting, like this piece of amazing art, mm-hmm. or it can look like you fell face first into a paint can. Yeah, exactly. Could yeah. go either way. Yeah, it's either like um, you know uh, Linda Evangelista or Tammy Faye Baker. Like that's the that's the yardstick. <laughs> Tammy Faye Baker. That we're wow. We're, we're going with. That's a, okay. All right. So what about makeup made to look like food? Specifically, or specially, Chipotle ingredients. Oh. The restaurant chain announced it is partnering with a cosmetics company, ELF, featuring vegan and cruelty-free makeup. Chief Marketing Officer Corey Marcia Soto of Elf Beauty said of the collab, There is nothing tastier or prettier than the combination of burritos and makeup. One of the options for purchase is an eyeshadow palette that retails for only $16 and includes shades inspired by rice and guacamole. Not only do you get the eyeshadow, but you also get a free order of chips and salsa when you go to Chipotle. Hopefully, while wearing your Chipotle-inspired makeup. (laughs) That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's stupid. (laughs) I love it. Can you imagine what what colors on your eyes today? It's guacamole green. Oh man! Although, like, on certain like skin tones, I think a guacamole color would pop. Oh, de- oh, definitely. I I just think it's a really weird partnership. Yeah, it's bur- a very weird partnership. Burritos and uh, glamour. Yeah. What color is a burrito? <laughs> That's not okay. Burrito colored. A color of unfortunate water. <laughs> I was um, literally about to say that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we're I'm we're sorry. so on the same page and best buds, except you don't like pineapple. Um so <laughs> you're getting some laughing emojis at Guyliner. 
That's pretty cool. Um, okay, so other products that they're making, the Chipotle makeup. Make it hot lip gloss for $8, $10 extra guac face sponge set. There's also an $18 makeup bag resembling a Chipotle brown paper bag. Along with a makeup line, Chipotle is launching a new line of limited menu option items called Eyes Chips Face Bowl. A vegan entree available starting March 10th on Chipotle's website and the Chipotle app. So they're clearly trying to market from both angles. I'll give them points for creativity for that part of it, but that's about it. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to Chipotle. What can I get for you? Yeah, I'll get the Eyes Chips Face Bowl, please. Well, and I'll have both bags, the one with makeup and the one with my food, please. I guess the only real saving grace is that the makeup won't give you food poisoning. You never know. Yeah. There's an entire Chipotle. generation of people that paid $20 to have uh, avocado on their toast. Just saying. I don't put it past anybody. Are you okay? I'll tell you what, Maddie. Let's just um, hold on this. Get a clip that is completely out of context before we start. I have to know, Scope, because you guys just suck. Shut up. You're like 42 years old. That's right. Get no scoped. Get no scoped. Come out. Peek your little stupid head out. No. No. I, I, I shot. I pressed R1. You see this? I pressed R1 right before you went to hit. Whew. Wow. Spicy. Are are you a Chipotle? Are you okay with online gaming? That's exactly. oh, I used to be like that. I used to be such a little rager, like just screaming. And I still am sometimes. Uh, but it's fun. You meet some amazing people. Uh, two of the like some of my best friends I met online after they made fun of my username, and then I completely dumped on them in this game. It was really funny. And then they added me after, like, hey. We should play. And there's a great story there. So, yeah, online gaming is great, but sometimes there are toxic trolls that make it awful. Yeah, and and they just take it really seriously. Like, you'll basically have some 12-year-old, like, saying how he had sex with your mother, and yet his mother lives right upstairs. So, Oh, yeah. (laughs) My son uh, gets like that. Used to get like that. We live in a townhouse, so that had to end quickly. But... Uh, except his would be when he got surprised by somebody in the video game and someone like came out of nowhere and he would be like, ah, like shriek. Like you've never heard a shriek before. And considering my son is almost six foot five, um, it sounded like the shriek coming out of the a sprite little, you know, young lady who might be mm. seven that saw a spider <laughs> kind of shriek. Nice. Uh, not to say that all little seven year olds are. Spiders. Anyway. Okay. Halton Regional Police are reaffirming that 911 is only for emergencies and only emergencies after an Oakville team called 911 when he suddenly became locked out of his gaming system. Never thought we'd have to say this, but here we are. Mom changing your Xbox password is not a reason to call 911. Halton Police said that in a tweet on March 9th, Tuesday. Oh, no. Never thought we'd have to say this, but here we are. I can't imagine how loud that house is when he's playing video games. Because if he called 911, you know the mom changed the password for a good reason. Police confirmed the call was made from a male teenager in Oakville. The incident had some people on social media outraged with some calling on police to explore charges. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's similar to pulling a fire alarm, I suppose, except they can filter out the phone call. If there was somebody who couldn't get through because of the phone call, maybe. Uh, regardless, it's made national news. So um, <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion Dialy Joe is going to hear about it. Are you okay? Are you okay with nacho dip? Oh, absolutely. I got to say. Nacho dip. Especially oh, like, nacho uh, dip. I don't know what it's called. It may, it may be just be called like a, like a brown bean dip. But you know when you go to a really good Mexican restaurant and they give you nachos and beside it is like a bean made dip? It's probably just called bean dip. That is my favorite. I could eat pounds of that. You put on the tacos. Mm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. My sister taught me how to make one that's got, you take the cream cheese and you mix in the taco seasoning and you whip it. Oh, you whip it good. God. Oh, my goodness. Crank and then you whip. sprinkle um, the salsa and then the cheese. So then your, your, your cream cheese has the taco seasoning with salsa and the cheese sprinkled on top. And then you dip your chips into that. Heaven. Woo-hoo. Gotta tell you, it's good. Wow. All right, an L.A. man is sitting in a tub of bean dip for 24 hours to support his favorite restaurant. Oh, oh it's easy to, at least it's easy to hide if you have to go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, the drive To drive the point home, stuntman hunter Ray Barker is wearing a T-shirt and a mask with the Los Toros restaurant logo, which features three bowls and getting his arm tattooed with the image during the entire marathon. Here's a clip. I'm spending 24 hours in this tub of bean dip for Los Toros. I just think we have a golden opportunity to grab the bull by the horn and support local businesses in a big, explosive way. I personally believe that small businesses are the backbone of the nation. I believe that um, it is our duty to support them. And I just think if we can do that in a, a fun way, and in a way that encourages other people to, um, you know, bring some excitement to the small businesses as well, I think is really, really helpful. And so I think now is the best time to do it. I like nacho dip, but not with a man in it. Yeah, I like how he said explosive. <laughs> what does explosive mean in the context of that much nacho dip? I don't want to know. Um, well, let me elaborate. As for going to the bathroom... He connected a funnel into the tub for number one in case he has to go wee, wee, wee all the way home. But he says they will have to wait and see what happens for number two. Oh, no. Oh, (laughs) dear Lord. If he's dipping into his own nacho dip, then... Gross. But you can totally hear the tattoo needle in the background there. Yeah, but what's the point of the tattoo? You know what it sounds like he's doing? It sounds like he's sucking up for like free nachos for life from his favorite restaurant. That's kind of what it sounds like he's doing. It's very elaborate and brave and very publicly weird way of doing it. But yeah, my hat's off to him. You know another great way to support small support small business though. Shop at small business. Mm-hmm. He did that in front of the small of the restaurant. So it was like, I will do it right in front of your restaurant, and then people will see and come inside and eat nachos. And when I was grabbing some of the info for this, there was lines across the block 
So it was, it did work. Yeah. Do you get the bean dip though? That's really the question. Uh, that's so. Yeah, maybe if like the first hour he was there, it's like, hey, free bean dip, come in my tub and just uh, grab what you need and go. But after maybe ten minutes of him being in there, I would say that is not edible. Wow. How did you make that much bean dip too? I'm just realizing that <laughs> that must have been the entire restaurant supply. Well, that's and if a there's a free bean free bean dip promotion when this is done, you know, buy your burrito, get free bean dip. Oh, don't take the free bean dip. Yeah, if yeah, I mean sometimes you gotta you know lay your beans out there on the line for uh, for your That's restaurant. Nice. But uh, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. TMI text you another text. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, another one says, "Okay, someone feed me." Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.